0: Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in our study of the New Testament. This is part number 253, and we're in Revelation chapter 20. We have worked our way through the New Testament one chapter at a time over the last five years and we are rapidly approaching the end. We have this chapter, chapter 20, we have chapter 21, chapter 22 of Revelation and then we're gonna move and start the Old Testament That next week will be in Genesis chapter 1. Um, and we have 15 years to complete the Old Testament. So, we're, we're gonna do it by golly unless Jesus comes back or something happens. But uh, it's good to have a plan and um, So we're right now in the book of Revelation. You know, the the advantage to working through the Bible this way is context. And um, so that's why we went through the Gospels and then Acts and then all the epistles. So that we had a context for the scripture. It helps us to understand it. Keeps us from taking things out of place and making things say things they don't really say. Um, always, you know, sort of remembering who, who wrote the letter, who it was written to, why it was written, what questions were being answered, and then how that applies under the anointing of the Holy Spirit till, to today. And it's, it's very applicable 2,000 years later, of course, um, in context. And so that's what we've been learning in our study over the last five years together. Revelation... It's an interesting study, um, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the one sort of book with a promise of, of blessing as we read it. Um, nothing for us to be afraid of when we read through Revelation as believers. We're good, uh, in, we're in Christ, and He's got us, and we don't need to be afraid of how things unfold in the end. Um, let me say, you know, the, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. We're always trying to find out what we can learn about Jesus um, in the process. But um, I believe it's a prophetical book and, and so um, we don't want to get overwhelmed trying to figure out every little detail because some of them just won't make sense. Um, and we can get off on bunny trails uh, thinking that we've uncovered something um, and then sort of trying to get things to fit into that. So we need to be very careful that we take it as a whole. There, there are um, lots of different ways of looking at the book of Revelation and have been through church history and um, even though I'm, I'm coming at it from one point of view I do mention the others and uh, there's a lot of good, uh, good theology about why the other points are valid so uh, if you hold to a slightly different view than the one I'm taking that's fine um, and uh, I understand and I'm for it and for you and it's all good we, we don't have to disagree, you know uh, get upset if we don't agree exactly on how to look at the book of Revelation um, some people believe that Revelation has already all happened. All the events were right around John's lifetime and they, they hold to that viewpoint. Others believe that it's um, just all symbol, that none of it's actually going to happen. It's a picture of good and evil and, uh, and a description of that. Um, um, others believe it sort of happened, you know, throughout church history. Um, I hold more of a futurist viewpoint in that I believe that the events starting in chapter 4 have not yet happened and we're waiting for them to occur. That's just how I come at it. Um, And even within that sort of understanding, there's lots of different ways to go from there. So um, that's all part of the deal. And we've talked about that all the way through. We're at the last few chapters now. Um, We finished Revelation 19 yesterday uh, or last week, and that was a big deal that had the Armageddon was in there. Um, And, you know, a lot of people think about the Battle of Armageddon as being this great battle. What we saw was, you know, there was this sort of... uh, uh, troop amassment and then there wasn't much of a battle. God just kind of spoke into it and that was that. So uh, the the enemy has been um, dealt a major blow uh, and is in effect done although we're gonna talk a little bit about a millennial period today and some of the viewpoints on that and we'll see that the enemy may have one more little chance to do something at the end of a thousand years and then he'll be put in the lake of fire forever where the beast and the false prophet were put in the last chapter. So That's what's coming on uh, as we go. Now, uh, as I said, last week in 29, uh, or 19, that whole chapter is followed by uh, this thousand year period, uh, we believe is the millennium. And I'll talk about some other viewpoints on the millennium in in a little while, Um, so other people think that it happens differently. But but, um, as a futurist viewpoint, we believe this thousand year thing is in there, in the mix. And during this thousand years, a few things happen. Um, the evil one, Satan, is locked and sealed in the abyss so he can't deceive the nations anymore until the end of the thousand years. It'll say in Revelation 23 when we read that. There's a first resurrection that's described and and, uh, we believe this would be all the believers killed during the um, tribulation period. Um, Now, this this could be, depending on your viewpoint, all all believers up till that point, although we've looked at um, some different ways of looking at that perhaps the church was already caught up um that existed before the tribulation and um and so this doesn't impact them um there's different ways of looking at this but this um this resurrection which like i said i believe is the the believers killed during the 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 tribulation um they come and they'll be priests of god and of christ and will reign with him for this revelation period the church would already be there um if we hold to the the idea that we got caught up Beforehand, the church that existed before then. And then um, everybody else, uh, all the unbelievers, are um, whatever they're doing happens for the next thousand years. They're, they're just dead. Um, and uh, the evil one is, is bound, and he'll be released for a time at the end of the thousand years. Um, and there's this thousand year millennial reign where everything is set up with Jesus in charge and um, the government's on his shoulders, and everything happens during this thousand-year period. At the end of that, there's a final battle, because the enemy is released for a little bit of time. He seems to be able to stir up whoever he can uh, at the end of this thousand years, and then the great, great white throne of judgment takes place, and uh, everyone whose name is written in the book of life is in a good spot, and everyone whose name is, is not, you know, they're cast into the lake of fire. And uh, so that's kind of what happens in this chapter. Uh, It's a pretty big deal. Let's look at it together. Revelation chapter 20, 15 verses. I'll begin in verse 1. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked it and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be free for a short time. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who have part in this first resurrection. The second death has now po- no power over them, that they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. In number they are like the sand on the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, earth and sky, fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and the death and, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So let's do a short discussion on this, and uh, we'll go from there. Okay, so first is, uh, verses 1 through 6. This, this thousand-year reign um, is, is called the Millennium, which is Latin for a thousand. And um, it's understood differently among um, groups of believers. Three major positions on the Millennium are called post-millennialism, pre-millennialism, and a-millennialism. Millennial, it's hard to say. But, uh, so post, pre, and a-millennialism. Post-millennialism looks for a literal thousand-year period of peace on earth that's ushered in by the church, and at the end of the thousand years, Satan will be unleashed once more, and then Christ will return to defeat him and reign forever. And so um, this viewpoint believes that Christ's second coming will not occur until the end of this thousand-year period. So people that are post-millennials believe that the church needs to get itself to a place where it can usher in this uh, thousand-year peace process. And um, there are some people that believe in that so there's one viewpoint um, premillennialism abuses thousand years as a literal time period but holds that, that the second coming of Christ is what initiates this thousand year reign, and that this reign occurs um, before the final removal of Satan and, and um, so that would be more where I stand on that, more of a pre millennialist We're waiting, since I'm a futurist, I'm still waiting for all these things to take place. So the, this thousand-year reign, I believe, and you'll hear me just, it'll reflect in how I come across with the chapter, is reflected by the idea that, that um, Christ comes back before the millennium. The second coming happens before the millennium. Um, so that's another viewpoint, but like I said, you, you could be one of the other ones, that's fine. a um believes that the thousand-year period is symbolic of the time between Christ's ascension and his return. That it's not an actual thousand-year period, it's this period of time. It's a symbolic number for the period of time between the first and second coming. A- and that um, this millennium is, is the reign of Christ in the hearts of believers in his church. Uh, and so it's another way of referring to the church age, and that this period will end with the second coming of Christ. So that's another viewpoint that a lot of people hold, that there's not this millennial period. In effect, it's now, and, and even though we've exceeded the thousand years, it was only symbolic um, of the process. So three different ways of looking at that. They really shouldn't cause um, division or controversy. Um, because each one really acknowledges what's crucial to Christianity, that Christ will return, defeat the enemy, and reign forever. Really, that's the main... If we can agree on that, we're going to be good. How it happens, we don't, we don't know. It hasn't happened yet. You know, that's like the whole book of Revelation, that, that it causes division to me is silly. We, it's, we don't know yet. Well, we're going to find out. And, and then, you know... I, the thing is, once we find out, I don't think we'll care anymore. Do you, I mean, do you think... I mean, once you're with Jesus, do you think you care if you had it figured out or not, That, that this all part? I mean, you had the Jesus part figured out. You got that. You're going to be pretty happy about it. I think you're going to be happy enough about that that everything else is like, yeah, whatever. At least that's my hope. So anyway people get all worked up about some of these stuff and you know we don't know we need to live for what we do know is this we we need to live for Jesus we need to know him as Lord and Savior that means our book, our name's written in the book of life that's what we're we're shooting at and we need to be used by him in the process because that's where we find life everything else will figure itself out as we go along and uh, that's sort of the process so it's not one of those things that should divide us at all so why well being a premillennialist? then like I said I'm primarily that why would, we, why would this thousand-year reign need to take place? And um, I think there's several things that need to happen um, because of covenants that were made in the Old Testament, promises that God made that haven't yet been fulfilled that um, would seem to need a time to do that uh, if we're, if we're going to um, look at that. Like um, that, that there should be a time when Jesus reigns as king over Israel as well as all the nations of the world um, in some sort of format. And that's something that could happen in the millennial reign when Jesus comes back. And we know that at that moment, you know, the the evil that has existed is dealt with and will end in this new thousand-year reign. Now, this isn't um, heaven yet. This isn't the end of all things being set back. It's a literal reign. We believe the heaven's here. Apparently what happens is people that enter into it, um, uh, you know, especially the... Uh, people that have survived it somehow or whatever it's believers haven't died, they're going to enter into this millennial reign and it, they most likely will still be um, able to be fruitful and multiply. You're going to generate more people in a thousand years. Um, and with sin sort of out of the way for the most part, they'll, they'll start to live lots longer and have more kids and it wouldn't take very long to populate the earth again in pretty amazing ways. And um, these people will all move into a governmental system that's run by Jesus. It's perfect in every way. Not corrupt, not... And yet apparently at the end of it all we will have moved along far enough that some people will still be able to be swayed by the enemy to try and take another stab at overthrowing things. It just won't be successful. But it's a thought that will happen in the process. And There's a land covenant that's given in Deuteronomy 30. Um, And, um, you know, God fulfilled, you know, the Abrahamic uh, covenant um, because they did indeed go to the promised land, but they never fulfilled, they never got all the land that was promised to them ever in in the accounts that we have in the Old Testament. Never did they inhabit it all. Um, They always stopped short. And so um, a millennial reign could give the opportunity for that to take place. Um none of the kings ever ruled, even Solomon who ruled over the largest um, area of land promised to them didn't get it all so uh, so we have that situation um, the Davidic covenant um, is fulfilled in Jesus no matter how this thing works out, but a literal reign on the throne uh, of Israel would be a um, fulfillment of that that could take place um, in this time um, uh, Parts of the new covenant jeremiah 31 33 you know the covenant i'll make with the house of israel after those days declares the lord i'll put my law within them and i'll write it on their hearts and i'll be their god and they shall be my people um and, and um, they should dwell in a land that's speaking pretty specifically to the people of israel uh at some levels and the thousand year reign would allow for that sort of to happen as well um uh, in Psalms uh, in Daniel, uh, God promises the nations of the world they 'd live in peace with Jesus as their ruler, and this could take place in this thousand year reign as well so it, uh, the the, the uh, thousand year the millennial reign um, would would uh, have a purpose of fulfilling some of the prophecies given to Israel and um, the prophe- and the promises made to Jesus the nations in the earth so that 's part of what could take place if you a, a, if you believe in a pre millennium Uh, obviously if you're post-millennial or amillennial those things are going to be different but we get the the primary thing remember that always is Jesus is going to come back the enemy is going to be dealt with and we'll live with him forever Um, verses 7 through 11 John doesn't say why God releases Satan for a little while but somehow it's part of the ultimate plan of the judgment of the world and um, this final result this 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 last release results in the final destruction of all evil remember it's pretty well dealt with at the end uh, there in Revelation 19. But we get one more little run at it, apparently. And uh, they're all consumed by fire, whoever decides to stand against God. And then the enemy... um, So he's released from the bottomless pit, the abyss, um, but he's then cast into the fiery lake where he'll never be released, and uh, he'll never be a threat to anyone again. Then we have the great white throne of judgment. And uh, that's how it's known. Judgment is a pretty interesting situation. There are um, several verses that relate to judgment. Um, there's there's the verse in Revelation that we're looking at now, uh, in Revelation 20, and then there's um, in Matthew 25. There's a judgment that talks about separating the sheep from the goats, and in 2 Corinthians 5:10, um, there's a judgment that's known as the bema seat, uh, the bema of Christ. And um, that's where believers uh, are given um, rewards for their works uh, or service to God. Depending on your viewpoint. Some people believe all these three happen at the same time, or that they're three separate judgments. And, and there's reasonable theology on all, all those aspects. Um, that that these, uh, Some believe that the sheep and goats are one thing, the beam of seed is another, and this great white throne is another. Some people believe all these things are happening in the Great White Throne of Judgment. They're just giving you more specific details. You know, Jesus is giving a little more light in Matthew 25, and Paul is shedding some light in Second Corinthians 5 about how all that looks. Remember, the main thing is to have your book written in the name of life, because then you're good. So then you're not being... So the other people are being punished for their misdeeds. Um, we don't have to do that. As believers, all that happened at the cross, and, and a lot of people would have... See, I believe we, Jesus, when God sees us now, he sees us in Christ. You hear me say that all the time. That's not going to stop at judgment, so he's still going to see us in Christ. So anything that we've done, you know, that we shouldn't have done, I don't believe that's an issue because we're not going to be punished. Punishment, Jesus paid for at the cross for all of us. Um, there's, there is a reward process for the things that we do with Jesus in this life, and um, they're, they're, or, or don't do. Um, There'll be a, I guess, a lack of rewards in that situation, but but um, it will not affect your eternal state, your salvation. Um, So so this could all happen in the Great White Throne Judgment or not. I I you know I don't and 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 uh, again I, I, you know I've explained to you why sometimes I believe the way I do has a lot to do with the Jewish feasts that there's seven feasts that happen um, and that we've seen. Jesus fulfilled the first three, and the Holy Spirit filled number four at Pentecost, and we're waiting on number five, which is trumpets. That's when I believe Jesus comes back, and, and I think he catches the church out at that one. That next feast is judgment, and so I think we, because we're in Christ, we don't have to sit through that one, other than the reward phase. But, uh, and then the last one is tabernacles, where we get straightened out in heaven forever. So, but, you know, there's no, um, it, it's certainly okay to, to have very firm and established beliefs on how you think those fit, and that's good. Uh, and and um, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, but the, the, again, um, just, you know, the important things about judgment is that Jesus is the judge. Um, all unbelievers are going to be judged by him and punished according to what they've done and uh, you know the bible paul says that that unbelievers are storing up wrath against themselves and that god will give to each person according to what is done um but and and even though we're we're judged by him because his righteousness has been imputed to us it's not a punishment phase for us it's a reward phase according to the things that we've done for him and then uh, those who aren't in the book of life will um at that point be cast into the lake of fire with with the enemy and the false prophet and the beast where where that will last forever remember I told you the other day that, that uh, when God breathed into us um, it, it, we share that part we, we are now eternal beings um, and so you don't just go to nothingness there's an eternal state for all because of that the breath of God in us and um, the, the options are you know in relationship with God or not and the in not option is not a good option um, And so death and the grave are thrown in the lake of fire. God's judgment is finished. Um, The lake of fire, it's the ultimate destination of everything wicked. Satan, the beast, the false prophet, demons, death, grave, and everyone whose names are not in the book of life because they didn't put their faith in Jesus Christ. So uh, that's Revelation 20. Uh, 21 and 22 are are lighter. that's the problem with going through the, chap- the Bible, a chapter at a time. You can't pick and choose. Well, Let's skip that one. That one's no fun. because you would you could do that a lot. So there you go. Um, and again, think about those things. If you're intrigued by anything, or if uh, you know you're you're upset or by anything, go study. It's all good. Um, lots of different ways to look at this stuff. And uh, all very good, but know that you know Jesus. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're good. Um, you're going to be with Him forever, and all this stuff will work out. And I, I don't know how it all works out, but I know that that as a believer in Christ, your name is in the book of life, and and. Uh, You're going to be good with him forever. And uh, that eternity starts now. It starts in him now. So um, remember all those things as you process through this stuff. That's good enough for today. If you're watching on television or video, thank you so much for doing that. We appreciate that. We'd love to see you sometime uh, here. Don't forget to visit us, but we're going to call it a night. Please turn off the video.